Welcome to the Thrive Infertility Podcast brought to you by the Quillet Institute, your mental health resource to support you during your season of infertility. We are here to help you thrive. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillet. I'm CEO of the Quillet Institute and owner of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy here in my home state of Tennessee. I am excited to be back with you today, and I want us to go a little bit off topic today because, you know, we've talked, the whole podcast, I guess, is about thriving um, in the middle of infertility, and I think sometimes thriving means knowing your options um, when kind of getting to the place in your fertility journey where maybe your fertility isn't an option anymore. And so today what I wanted us to talk about was how to start thinking about adoption. And um, when you're ready to start start your own adoption process, what do you need to think about? Where do you start? Where do you consider? Because you type adoption in to Google, and not only will you hear horror stories, but you're also going to be inundated with a lot of information. And so today, I just want to join into a conversation that you might already be having in your head and maybe share, not maybe, I am going to, but share a little bit about my adoption story um, and just talk about maybe where you can go um, from here if you wanted to get started. So If you know anything about my journey, or maybe this is your first time tuning into this podcast, if so, hi. I um, struggled with infertility for years, had PCOS, endometriosis, adenomyosis, and recurrent uh, miscarriage, and I had a hysterectomy at 32. Um, I wish I could say that was just last year, but I've been in menopause for quite a few years now. And so our story went a little bit like we were just beating our head against a wall all the time when it came to fertility. I felt like every time I went to the doctor, there was more bad news or a diagnosis every time I woke up from a surgery, which there I think were four of them, um, exploratory wise, then it just, there was just more bad news. The odds were never for us and everything just got really overwhelming. And so somewhere in the middle of our story, we had to start the conversation about what would this look like if we adopted? And like many of you that might be listening to this, you're wondering, um, so I'm open to adoption and I don't know where to go from here. And so let me also just caveat here a little bit and say, do your own gut check work about whether or not adoption is for you and your and your spouse. Do your own work around that because like I said earlier, if you were to type adoption into Google, you are going to find out that sometimes attachment is difficult and you're going to find a lot of horror stories. Maybe you know somebody who was adopted and it, they were a troubled person. What we don't know what contributed into all of that is the parenting style. I'm not going to blow smoke either and say every adoption goes swimmingly and you're never going to be, never going to have a complication or whatever. There's a lot that goes into it, but not every adoption story turns out to be a horror story. 
Okay. Sometimes adoptions go well. Sometimes adopted children are not terrors. Sometimes, um, and, and it happens a lot. Okay. The stories that we talk about are the really, really hard ones. Um, the one, those are the ones that make it into like another podcast. They might make it into, you know, psych today. They might make it into, you know, a country club rumor mill, but that's not always real life. Neither is country club life. Okay. Well, let's just be real about that too. Okay. So when we first started our process of adoption, um, as, as you would, if this is something that you were interested in, some questions you need to ask yourself are, do I want to do international or do I want to do domestic adoption? Okay. Now I, this isn't going to be all inclusive of every single option. Um, me talking about this, but I think it's important to talk about nonetheless. Okay. So do you want to do international or, um, domestic for us? International was always something that was really appealing for us. Um, we had, we had done a lot of travel overseas. It just kind of felt like I even remember growing up and being like, I never understood why, why kids were born into the poverty of Africa. I never understood that. And so international just felt like for us something that felt really organic. It felt really normal because that's just kind of who we were. Um, there were other pieces that went into that, but, but for you, you guys need to decide that I guess is, uh, and what you want to do. Now we, <laughs> we adopted eight years ago and you guys would probably do it in the, in the day and age of COVID if this is something you're, you're considering right now. And so uh, international might even be a little bit complicated for you. So when you're choosing, um, whether you've chosen international or domestic, you need to do research about the people, the agencies that are in your area, okay? And there's a couple different ways to go about this. You can find an agency. We went through just an agency. They're not just, they were great. Um, we, um, let me see. So there's the agency and they kind of walk you through the entire process. They will, they will handhold you. The birth moms will come to them or in our case, we adopted from Ethiopia and, um, they will be the ones to kind of orchestrate everything. Another option is going through an attorney. Adoption attorneys are an awesome resource. Their pool of birth moms though, um, oftentimes aren't as big. They're not going to do the handholding. They're going to do the legal part also. And you will also need what they cannot provide you is a home study. You've probably heard of the elusive home study and that part of it also um, you will need an agency to walk you through that. Now you can just have an agency do your home study. There's one local to us in Tennessee. I have lots of clients who they're working with an attorney or another option, which is a consultant. And there's just an agency around that does just home studies. And then you take that home study to maybe a consultant or an attorney and say, talk to me about birth mamas, who you got, how can we match up, et cetera. It can take a long time. Some adoptions you've probably heard can be really, really fast. Most of them expect longer than a human gestation period. 
to get this all done. So there's a lot of different choices here. Here's what I say. You might have reached the point of desperation in your own fertility journey. Okay. Where you're like, I wanted a baby two years ago. I'm being lapped by my friends. Adoption seems like there's a guarantee. I'm ready to, to have a baby. Let's get this going. And so sometimes, and there's no shame in that. I mean, I was definitely in that club. I'm not going to lie, but you have to take the time to interview agencies. Okay. This isn't like finding an OBGYN or a reproductive endocrinologist and just say, um, this one is in my insurance network or this one might got my friend pregnant. And so this is where I'm going. You have to ask questions and we need to ask questions like how many waiting birth moms do you have? How many waiting adoptive families are there? What kind of care, what kind of support do you offer birth mamas? If that's important to you, do you do open and closed adoptions? What's, what is the majority, right? What is the average family's wait time once we become what we call paper pregnant, which means all of your paperwork is completely submitted. And that's when the clock really starts ticking. Um, for us, we, when we learned that we were paper pregnant, we learned that, again, that means all of our paperwork is done, that we would um, probably between eight and 12 months get our referral. Now a referral means we have like a family for you, or in our case, it, we, uh, our boys were already in an orphanage. And so they just identified like, we have these two boys for you. Now, if you're doing domestic adoption with a birth family, mom might only be two months along, three months along, whatever, knowing maybe she doesn't want to have an abortion but knowing she also doesn't want to raise this child. So you might still have the gestation period to go through with the mom. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention doing the uh, foster care, foster to adopt, but also working through your local department of children's services and adopting that way. Um, and they really have their own process you still have to do the home study and there's still a lot of pieces to go along with it. Um, knowing, for example, Tennessee, no, listen, if you want to do foster to adopt, if you want to adopt through, through that, look into your state. Tennessee is a reconciliation state, which means even if you're on the way to adopt your child in a biological parent, even if you've had them for two years in your, in your home doing foster care, if biological family members come in and say, well, I want a second chance, the state is pro-reconciliation. And so they might put everything on hold to consider what would be best. So I, I'm all about reconciliation. I think that's great. Sometimes it's not in the best interest of the child and it, and it is very difficult for a parent. Imagine loving a child for two years, whatever, thinking they might be your own, and then having to, to surrender them back into the care of their biological family members, which might not be in the best interest of the child, but you have no say. Some people think that's a challenge I'm willing to accept. These children need homes, and that's awesome. If that's you, that's a great place to start. 
but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that sometimes they don't, I mean, no adoption. A lot of adoptions have risks, even with birth moms who choose you. Sometimes they choose to parent. The baby might've been born, you might've bonded with it. In some areas, moms have um, a couple days. Some states just do it really differently. Um, so you have to look into what your own state is saying. However, um, mom might be able to change her mind. Even after you think that the baby's yours, even after you put your clothes on it, your blanket, she's been in your car seat, it's still, mama still might have an opportunity to change her mind. That happened to my best friend. She thought that she was going to bring this child home. It was international and they were already excited. They had fixed their house. They had everything under the sun, ready to parent this child. And dad stopped uh, swooped in and got the child. And when I say it's like a miscarriage, I mean, it's like a miscarriage. Um, it is so painful. The grief and the loss, even if you haven't met that child yet, it's like having a positive pregnancy test. It's like knowing and planning and hoping and giving this child a lifetime of dreams for them in a short amount of time because you can't help but love somebody that you're going to welcome into your family and then they're gone and you, and you have to deal with that. And so I say that again, not to scare you, but this is a part of it where you need to set your expectations. So when you're interviewing these agencies also ask how many fall through, how many failed placements does an agency have when you're taking the time to interview them? It's a really important question to ask. Other questions to ask. What is a payment fee schedule like? Because it is really expensive. And here's what I'll say from my own experience. After having walked through our own adoption, now we brought home two boys internationally. So at the same time, we brought them home. And so that put us around $50,000. Thank God for fundraising and grants. If you look at this amount of money, it seems like, holy cow, that is um, a really nice car. Not really nice. That's a nice car that I could buy. Um, but I think once you see the breakdown and are going through it, it makes a lot of sense. We had to pay $2,500 per kid towards humanitarian efforts in Ethiopia. But by this point, in the journey, when we had to pay that, we had already fallen so in love with Ethiopia. We'd already been there once. And it just made a lot of sense that we would want to support um, the children that weren't coming home with us. And so that felt, that felt uh, purposeful, I guess you could say, for us. Um, so it is a lot of money. Don't let that deter you. There are tons and tons and tons of grants and fundraisers that you can do. People are willing and interested in supporting. Funny story, except it wasn't very funny. Um, we were doing a garage sale fundraiser for our, oh my gosh, for our adoption. And we had people in our community donate to it. And then we ran the garage sale and it was actually quite profitable. But so we put a bunch of signs out and really tried to tug on people's heartstrings a little bit. And this guy came up, he was 60, rocking the fanny pack before it came back in. And 
just awesome except for he was like so what kind of animal are you adopting and i was like oh we're adopting a human and he goes you mean you're not adopting an animal and i was like no actually we're like trying to grow our family and he gave me such a hard time and i didn't sway and say i'm adopting an animal and he walked away so disgruntled he like put down everything that he wanted to buy in support of us adopting an animal and just walked away I'm sorry we let that poor man down. <laughs> Anyways, but there are people that are going to have their own opinions about this also. So let me just also say adoption is beautiful. Y'all, like just from a mama's heart of adoption, I realize I've been a little bit of everywhere today trying to give you a really 40,000 foot view. Adoption is beautiful. Our family is made complete. I'll tell you a little bit of it tip that we did for our boys, we made, I'm a, I'm a documenter and, um, I like to take pictures of a little bit of everything. And so I made a Shutterfly book. I made three of them actually. <laughs> uh, they're different. I didn't, uh, like copy them again, but I have a Shutterfly book of everything that we did. We sent out letters. This was back in the days before like group uh, groups on Facebook and whatever, like Facebook was basic at this point. And so we sent out letters and, um, I took a, uh, I took a picture of that and I put it in the Shutterfly book. We got fingerprinted. I took a picture of us getting fingerprinted and I wrote about it in the book and I put a picture in the book. We had to do a lot of classes, um, as part of the home study. You'll have to do that too. And, um, I took pictures of us doing it and I put it in the book because here's what the story is. A lot of times the story of um, being an adopted child means it comes out of abandonment or it comes out of rejection and it comes out of surrender. Sometimes, even if that's beautiful, I, I don't know my kids' parents. I don't, I don't even know their names, but the story that I tell myself, I choose to tell myself, and I will tell, well, I, I guess I've told our oldest child, I choose to believe that they did it out of love. I choose to believe that they wanted a really great life for the kids and hopefully a life um, that maybe they could not have provided for some kind of circumstance. I choose not to believe that they were just nasty people. Um, that being said, the kids feelings about it being an adopted child there's a lot of whys there's a lot of why didn't they want me there's a lot of why did they give me up there's a lot of just questions about that this shutterfly book that i'm referencing serves as a yes that all might have been true but do you see how how hard we looked for you do you see all the work while you were sitting alone in the orphanage because that's part of the story. It just is. While you were sitting alone in the orphanage, look what mom and dad were doing. Look how bad we wanted you. The second and the third book are our two trips to Ethiopia because I want the kids. It's their version of a baby book. Do people even do baby books anymore? I don't know. But it's it's our version of, of their baby book. It's their life story. It's the beginning. I don't have baby pictures. We don't have newborn pictures. We don't have maternity pictures. I did take expectation pictures. That's not what we call them. Pre-adoption pictures because I always wanted to take maternity pictures. 
and never got to. And so this is just what we were able to do for ourselves. Um, but that's all in there because it's a valuable part of our story and it's also a really valuable part of their story. So start off, do we want domestic or do we want international? And then we need to make the decision, are we going to use an, an attorney? Are we gonna go through the Department of Children's Services? Are we gonna find a consultant? Are we gonna go through an agency? And when you make that decision, you're gonna interview them and you're gonna ask them a lot of questions. And you guys need to sit down and together, most importantly, sit down and figure out after these interviews with these agencies. And also if they don't have the time to be interviewed by you, they're not the right fit for you. Nobody's too busy to make you feel comfortable about how you're going to bring a child into your family. All that, and then you're going to get started. And there's a couple applications that you're probably going to have to do, some trainings, and then the home study, and then you wait. It's all going to make sense once you get in it, but you have to make a decision. I think one of the big decisions also is, okay, starting even before at the beginning, something you have to decide. Are you gonna look at this child like your child? I remember sitting down, um, all of my family and those closest to us, and I said, is, are you gonna look at this child as your adopted grandchild, or is this just your grandchild? Because adopt, adoption, adopted, is not an adjective. These are not my adopted children. These are my children. Adopted is a past tense verb. For them, they were adopted. Like they were born. Like another child was born. Adopted is not an adjective. It's a past tense verb. Okay. Will you, will the people in your life be able to look like that? Look at them like they're just your kids. Like they're just your babies and the most important people in your life. This isn't just having a baby. This is a lifelong commitment to raising these humans. And it is the best decision I know my husband and I ever made. These boys are my boys. And if anybody were to question, which people say stupid things, um, but these are just my boys. Um, I hope that this gives you a good overview. If you have questions, I'm happy to jump in here another time and or email you back. That's an easier way. Um, and answer some questions for you, but do your homework, ask the questions, be diligent about it. And I hope that you will get a, will get a big sense of peace about this. Adoption does not cure the pain of infertility. Neither does pregnancy, neither does bringing a baby home. It doesn't cure it. If you're looking at adoption like a band-aid, we need to do some healing first, okay? But it is a beautiful way to grow your family. I hope that this has been helpful for you. Um, have a great week. Go take care of yourself. Get outside and put your feet in the grass, unless you're allergic. I grew up allergic to grass. Luckily, that's changed in my life. Um, go outside, get some vitamin D, take good care of yourself, and I will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Thrive Infertility brought to you by the Quillet Institute. Don't forget to check us out online at thequillettinstitute.com or at the Quillet Institute on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.